From Mountain Home to Rath River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. It's another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down everything going on in District 4 in the state of Idaho. It's brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. I'm Brandon Bainey, joined by Scott Burton as always. Scott, what's the word? Oh, boy. The word is... It's championship weekend, and we've got some good games coming. Yeah, very excited for the six championships across six classification levels. IdahoSports.com will have live audio coverage of all six championship games. Four of them happening in Holt Arena, two happening in the Kibbe Dome up in Moscow. This has been around in Idaho a lot longer than I have. Has there ever been a time where nothing really going on in the Treasure Valley this weekend? Uh, you know what? Not that I recall. I mean, usually you've got something happening there. Um, but you know, like, you know, it's just who meets who and does the logistics line up correctly. And for the first time in a, in a while, it just doesn't line up for Boise. So yeah, it's East and North, you know, on, uh, on our East Idaho prep cast, I, I've been joking around with the guys over in the Eastern part of the state, how the East has been so dominant this year and has so many teams still playing. I said, you know, really the only team that's even around from the treasure Valley still is Weezer. And they're coached by East Idaho guy, Tom Harrison. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a chance to see Tom last weekend in his semifinal match with Gooding. And uh, he's as uh, spunky as ever. Had a chance to visit with him uh, throughout the week and a little bit uh, before the game. And, you know, Tom's Tom. He's, he's, uh, he's a character. Yeah, so let, let's let's dive right into it because this was the game that you were at last week, Scott. You were on the call of it, uh, Gooding hosting Weezer in a game that you know you know was close for a while, and then Weezer got a little bit of an edge, and they end up winning forty nine to twenty seven. But what did you see in that game? I, Weezer out physical Gooding at the line of scrimmage, plain and simple. And there's not many teams that are able to say that at all in the past several years, but. You know, Weezer got stopped on their very first possession of the game, ended up punting it away. And then I think it was seven or eight possessions consecutively after that, they were in the end zone. And they just couldn't stop Weezer offensively. And, uh, I mean, Weezer was doing everything right in the sense of they were winning first and second down and setting themselves up for third and short, um, second and short, those kind of things. And when that happens, I mean, your playbook opens immensely. And Weezer has got the real deal in quarterback Brett Spencer. Uh, he and his brother hooked up for multiple touchdowns that night, he and Brock. Um, but, man, I tell you what, that Brett Spencer kid at quarterback is an impressive uh, impressive skill kid. And you factor in his ability to throw the football and Weezer's ability to just be physical that is going to be a tough team to beat. I was really, really impressed. And, you know, they've got experience at the head coaching position, Tom Harrison, like we talked about. Um, and they also run that really kind of weird offensive formation where they've got three running backs. It's not a wishbone. It's not an option. It's it's just three straight in the back, and they mix up that direction, and, and it freezes everybody at the linebacker position because they don't know where the ball's at. And it, and it functions a lot like a, a wing T or a double wing offense, but with the confusion element to it. And boy, and if you're physical up front, your, your backs are getting to the second level real quick. And that's what Weezer did. And they, they were impressive. 
Yeah, that, that formation you're talking about, is it like the Maryland eye where you've got the three backs all in a line behind the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, it's, it's exactly right. And so it just, if you're not used to seeing it, it's, it's a tough thing to pick up, you know, defensively and uh, you know, and, and Gooding just couldn't quite get the physicality going um, on the uh, defensive side of the football, but on the offensive side of the football, they struggled as well. You know, and we talked about this, uh, in, in the pregame and the keys to victory is that Gooding was going to have to be able to throw the football tonight or that night anyway, because you knew Weezer was just going to load the box, stop the run and try to turn Gooding into a one dimensional team. And, you know, for the first three quarters or so, that's kind of how it went. You know, they, they just couldn't get anything going on the ground. And, you know, you've got Curtis Atkinson back there, quarterback, who's just a big, strong kid. And anytime you get into, you know, Second and short, third and short, fourth and short, Atkinson's going to carry the ball and he's going to pick up the first down. But they never had those opportunities because they were always um, getting stuck for negative yardage or very minimal gains on first and second down. And they had third and long all night long. And it just wasn't in their wheelhouse. And so they started featuring um, Colston Loveston a little bit in that fourth quarter, and he made some fantastic catches. It really kind of explained why people were so high on this kid because that was the third game I did with Gooding. And the first two and about half of the third one, you're like, who is Colston Loveland? I mean, why is everybody so excited on this kid? Because they, they couldn't get the ball to him as a receiver. Everybody's double teaming him, triple teaming him, whatever it is. But the, they got to a point against Weezer where they had to go to him. And so they really tried to make that a point in that second half late. And, uh, boy, the kid came up big, made some big catches. They weren't able to get in the end zone. But you could see the skill level of, of uh, that loving kid. Uh, he, he's something else. But hats off to Weezer. Man, what a dominating performance. Yeah, let's talk about Curtis Atkinson for a second and Gooding because we talked about it this year, you know, running the ball very well. And you talked about how he was going to have to need to, to complete some passes. You know, I looked at his numbers from last year and he threw for 2,029 yards and 15 touchdowns through the air last year. It just, it, it seemed like that element was missing this year. Am I, am I correct in that assessment? I, I think the same way. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to say and it's easy for us to sit here and, and second guess when we're not at practice, we're not in the games, we don't know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, it, it just wasn't a passing year, so to speak. When I look at the games that I did anyway, you know, I mean, still Colston Loveland found his way into the end zone via the pass. Uh, some other, you know, Gooding senators did as well. But I think, you know, the key to beating Gooding was to make them one dimensional. And that's be able to stop the run, uh, maybe double team Loveland and then single up everybody else and make Atkinson throw the football. And and they just didn't have, seem to have a whole lot of success this year through the air. Uh, one guy that did have success through the air was Brett Spencer. You talked about it, the quarterback from Weezer uh, holds an offer from Idaho, which is pretty cool for for a. 3A kid. I think it was you last week, Scott, that made the comparison uh, that he kind of reminded people of Shane Jennings, the Gooding quarterback from a couple of years ago that went to Eastern Washington, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I heard that comparison before I watched uh, Brett play. And once I watched him play, man, that was perfect comparison. You know, those that remember Shane Jennings uh, from Gooding, you know, a few years ago, I mean, the kid had really good feet and 
he had a great release, strong arm, uh, very accurate, but his footwork was really, really good. He just sidestepped tackles. He stepped up into the pocket. He was able to uh, to move the pocket, extend plays, those kind of things. That's what this Brett Spencer kid can do. And the kid's got a gun and he's very, very accurate. And so I saw a lot of comparisons and, you know, I'm excited to see what uh, Spencer does at the next level because, I mean, he really did showcase a few uh, upper level talents. Yeah, it's going to be uh, fun to watch his college recruitment and how that goes. Uh, you mentioned Tom Harrison, the coach from from Weezer. For for the fans that you know in the Magic Valley that may not know too much about him, you said he's uh, you know an interesting guy. He's obviously a legendary coach, right? I'm not sure anybody in Idaho has won more titles than he has. But maybe describe for our audience what what makes him such an interesting character and such a good coach. Well, he's 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 got a great memory, first of all. You know, and he's one of those guys that, at least in my experience anyway, that he, he doesn't typically forget who you are. Um, he's uh, very opinionated in the sense that he won't he won't hold anything back from you. You 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 get what you get, you know, with Tom. And I walked up to him in the game uh, right before the game and his back was to me and he turned around, saw me coming. He goes, Scotty, what's going on? You know, still at Jerome. And I hadn't seen really seen Tom for a little while. And, um, and so, I mean, it was those kind of things and, and he's not afraid or to, 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 like I said, tell it like it is, but he also takes time for you as well. And he's good at holding a conversation. Uh, he's good at candor. Uh, he's good at telling you point blank what he thinks, why he thinks it, and what should be done about it. And, you know, and until you experience uh, that, which, you know, not many have that maybe listen to this, uh, you, you really do see that the guy is genuinely invested in the game of football, uh, tremendously invested in his team, and, uh, and is a really uh, – the epitome of a student of the game. I mean, he's been around forever. So, I mean, you don't win all those championships like you did at snake river with, without knowing what in the heck you're doing. Um, but, but yeah, he's a great guy and he's I've known him for years and, and it was really fun to catch up with him. Yeah. He won, I think he's won 10 titles total. Uh, I think eight at snake river. He won one at Pocatello. I know uh, mm -hmm. the field at snake river is named after him. And he's yeah. still actively yeah. coaching. I mean, that tells you what kind of coach he is. It was really funny because they played Snake River in, in the quarterfinals mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago, and he had to go up against his son, Jeb Harrison, who's now the coach at Snake River. Yeah, yeah. That played at Snake River on a field named for the visiting coach where his son is coaching the home team. I mean, the dynamic was perfect. And, uh, you know, Weezer obviously flexed the, their muscle, and uh, Dad let Kid know who was still in charge. And unfortunately, you know, son got sent to his room a little early. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. And then, so, so we've, we've met Tom Harrison, the person, what about Tom Harrison, the coach? What, what makes him so good? I mean, he took a Weezer team that, you know, hasn't had a big, long storied history in football and he's gotten them turned around in relatively short order. Well, I think all good coaches have got something in common and that is they simplify the game, you know, uh, whether it's at football, basketball, whatever, you keep the game simple then you're going to get kids that, that know how to react and respond and they don't think too much in those situations. And, you know, it helps when you have an all-star quarterback like Brett Spencer, but, you know, you preach a few things. You, you preach toughness. Um, you, you preach resiliency. You preach family. You preach these core values, um, but you simplify things. And, you know, for 
a guy like Tom Harrison, it's, it's run the football, punch in the mouth. It's, are you going to stop us? Are you tough enough to do it? If great, then we'll do something else. But until then, this is what we're going to do. Matter of fact, here's our playbook. And, you know, those kind of coaches tend to have the best success because their kids know exactly what they're doing and they just execute. You know, and I think a, a guy like uh, Harrison, you know, he pays attention to detail too. You know, he knows why certain things work, why they don't. And it's uh, attention to detail a lot of the times, whether it's, you know, footwork on the offensive line, whether it's, you know, your splits on the offensive line. And I'm, I'm, I'm focusing in on the offensive line right now because that is what really what dominated uh, for, you know, Weezer against Gooding. But those little things, the guy understands and makes the game simple. And I think that's what makes him a really good football coach. Yeah, and, and uh, to be sure, Cameron Anderson at Gooding, also one of the great football coaches in the state of Idaho, what he's done with that program. And they, they fall one step shy, but uh, it's like I say, you can't focus on the final results. You have to look at the season as a whole and the journey that you went on. And for Gooding, this season was a smashing success. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Gooding is 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 kind of etched themselves into you know the, the royalty of 3A football in Idaho. And uh, that, that's Cameron Anderson and, and the ability uh, of him and his coaching staff to rally these boys, you know, to, to churn out tremendous athletes, you know, year after year after year, you know, we're always joking about what in the world are they putting in the water at Gooding? Uh, because they're just big, big boys. And, uh, you know, you look at some of these forays and you're like, dude, can we, can we make a trade, a uh, cash offer, draft pick something? Cause you know, we don't have this. And uh, year after year, they've got it. And uh, I mean, my goodness, the, the ride they went on this year, you know, with the whole Loveland recruitment thing. And and I think one thing that gets overlooked in that whole mess is the ability to stay focused, you know, because here you are as a team and the key word being team, watching one of your teammates get the royalty treatment, you know, from all of these big time schools. And that could easily you know, divide a team and, and it'd be tough to, to block out those distractions, you know, and to, to keep, you know, a guy like Loveland in the circle, you know what I'm saying? To where he's not ostracizing himself from his teammates because he's the one that's getting all these D one recruits. Right. But somehow they kept it together. And I think it begins and ends with their head coach, you know, Cameron Anderson, who's uh, just one of those guys that just knows how to put it together. And, and I think maybe the hardest struggle in that situation would be doing that. I think coaching football for him is secondary, but going on this ride that he had to go on was something that not many coaches ever get to experience. And I think that may have been the, the biggest feather in his cap when it came to having a successful coaching career to be able to manage all that. Yeah. And I've noticed just in the short amount of time that I've lived in Idaho and covered Idaho football, uh, Colston Loveland really put it on the map, but Cameron Anderson is a guy that will fight for his players when it comes to recruiting. He will do whatever it takes to get all of his guys to the next level if they want to play. He he works harder than any coach that I've seen in terms of uh, getting his players' names out there to those college coaches. Oh, yeah, no question about it. And when you get that kind of advocate for your players, then you know your players are going to buy in because they know that their head coach has their back. And all the good head coaches, they, they've got that in common. And uh, the two that we saw, you know, with Harrison and, and Anderson on Friday night, last Friday night, no different. They're the same.
Well, Gooding's first and last loss of the season comes to Weezer in the semifinal round. There are a couple of teams from the Magic Valley still uh, competing for state championships this weekend. One is guaranteed to win a championship with the Magic Valley as we've got an all-district four matchup in the 1A D1 ranks. So we'll break down those eight-man teams. On the other side of this break, we'll hear from our sponsors at the Idaho Division of Public Health and be back in just a moment here on the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. Back on the Magic Valley PrepCast, IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey with Scott Burton as we move now to the 1A ranks in the eight-man football uh, classification, 1A D1 level. It's an all-District 4 showdown. It's the one we all wanted to see. Uh, Raft River, Oakley doing battle for the second time this year. Uh, how did they get there? Well, Raft River played Lapway on Saturday, Scott. Lapway actually struck first, a 30-yard touchdown pass from Titus Year out to Cross Taylor. And Raft River trailed six nothing, and then they scored fifty one unanswered and won fifty one to six. Yeah, Raft River. I mean, when you get to a semifinal game, and we're going to say the same thing about both Raft River and Oakley, those games should be close. Those games are featuring a final four, you know, and they should be close. Neither one of them were, and that tells you the strength of both Raft River and Oakley. I mean, it was a collision course. I think right from the start of the season and uh, it's another rematch, but again, it's a testament to the power of these two programs to be in the same conference and meet in the championship game again, and uh, to do so convincingly to get there. I mean, the only loss between them is to each other. And uh, I think we're in for a heck of a game uh, come this Saturday, Uh, Friday, Friday. Or no, yeah. no, 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 sorry. Thursday. Okay, Thursday. Thursday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday. <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, tomorrow? <laughs> yes. Yes. We are uh, recording this on Wednesday. The yes. schedule's all out of whack, Scott, because four of the six championships are being played at Holt Arena. So there's literally two games Thursday, mm-hmm. three games Friday, and one on Saturday that we'll get to yeah. in, in a little bit. That's Kerry. Um, yeah, so Raft River scored seven touchdowns. Seven different players scored. You had Tegan Whitaker scoring on a on a 65-yard run. You had a 33-yard run from Alex Murillo, a 49-yard pass from Tate Whitaker to Gabe Briggs, a 16-yard pass from Whitaker to Thane Lockmiller. And then in the second half, Cole Spencer, Benny Smith, Kai Ward, all scored touchdowns. I mean, the versatility of Raft River is it can only mm-hmm. be matched by Oakley, to be honest, where you could have seven different guys score a touchdown in, in a single game. Yeah, you know, and, and think about that for a minute. That's eight-man football, right? And so when you're getting that kind of production from, you know, of the eight guys that are on the field for you, nine of them are scoring touchdowns. I mean, I mean, that, who do you stop? Because most of the time in, in you know, eight-man football, you've got one key, two keys maybe. But uh, both of these teams have got weapons, and they come at you big. And they've got big play capability of all the touchdowns you just listed. You know, three of them were – 50 yards or plus, you know, or, or excuse me, 30, right around 35 to 50 yards or more. Uh, big play capability on both sides. And Raft River, man, they are they are getting it done. And they beat a really good Lapway team. I mean, I mean, Lapway, um, yeah, uh, year out, they're, they're all-star. Um, he got hurt. 
but I think uh, it didn't matter anyway. I mean, Rap River is just strong. So is Oakley as Oakley defeated Butte County 52 to 22. This, this was a wild opening quarter of action, Scott, just special teams, uh, blunders left and right. Oakley is back to punt in their own end zone. Butte County blocks the punt. Boone Gamut blocks it for Butte County. Has the presence of mind to see the ball spin out at the two-yard line. Not only does he block the punt, he scoops it up and scores it for Butte County. And the Pirates are up 8 nothing. and you're thinking, oh boy, here we go. Well, on the very next kickoff, Oakley executes a handoff at the 20, and uh, Duncan... Uh, takes Bridger Duncan takes it 80 yards for a touchdown. So just like that, Oakley's neutralized the threat with a special teams play of their own. Oakley kicks off to to Butte County. Butte County goes three and out. They're lining up to punt. Oakley blocks a punt around the 14 yard line. That leads to a Peyton Beck touchdown run. And from there, Oakley uh, was off and running. But it was a wild series of special teams plays there in the first quarter of action. Oh, it, it certainly was. And when Butte County blocked that punt. I was thinking, holy cow, Butte County is for real. Because, I mean, to be honest with you, I did not see this one to be a 30-point game. You know, it was going to be Butte County, who is typically known for being incredibly physical, uh, just tough guys. They would rather maybe take you out in the alley and beat you blind. Um, and I, I, I don't know many teams that would go with them <laughs> into said alley. But that's just kind of Butte County style. They're just tough, physical. And how are they going to match up against Oakley? Well, Shoot, after they blocked that uh, that first punt, it was like, man, they're here to stay. But I tell you what, it all swung, I think, on that that ensuing kickoff. I mean, because really what that did, um, and you were calling the game, and I was watching the game, um, and what it did is it just, it just took away in an instant a big, big play that Butte County needed to jumpstart things in that game. Um, and I think it just kind of – deflated them a little bit. And then, you know, the next time around when Oakley blocked their punt, then I think it was over at that point. I mean, it just became three big plays in a row and you got the first one. If you're Butte County, Oakley just went bam, bam. And then you're like, Oh crap. And I don't think, I don't think Butte ever recovered. I mean, you were there, you saw it, you know, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, I I think Butte County was pretty deflated by by that point. And you're right, Scott. Butte County prides themselves on their physicality, and they knew coming in, hey, our physicality has to match their speed. Well, Oakley's speed was a little bit too much because they tried to run off guard, and every time Oakley was there immediately, and so Butte County was facing a lot of second and long, third and long situations that allowed Oakley to tee off. And then on the flip side, Butte County wasn't physical enough on the defensive line. Peyton Beck, I mean, he was having, he was, you know, uh, sipping on a drink back there as he was back to pass. He had so much time. I mean, he threw for over 300 yards in the game and he, he was barely touched. And so it was an easy day at the office for Peyton Beck offensively. And that was the other big key was Butte County just couldn't generate a pass rush. Yeah. You know, and, and when you give a guy like Beck that kind of time to throw, you know, it, you can only stay in coverage for so long. You know, whether it's eight man or 11 man, you know, you, you've got to get pressure on the quarterback uh, and Beck's too good to sit back there with extra time. You know, and the funny thing is you look at both Raft River and Oakley. I mean, they're so used to just piling on points because they can just come at you in a lot of different ways. Offensively, they can score on you defensively. But, you know, you, you go back to when they played. It was pretty low scoring game. I mean, 22-16 was that final. And, and I think that's what happens when you get two teams that know each other so well. 
And I mean, Raft River and Oakley, I mean, you, you talk about two teams that are basically brothers of each other. They know each other better than anybody. And so that game right there will be interesting because it may not be this 52 point, you know, scoring output by either one of these teams, but it's going to be who executes the best. Obviously big plays are going to be part of it, but it's going to come down to a lot of little things against uh, in this game because these guys do know each other so well. Yeah, Scott, this is the fifth time that these two teams are playing in the last two seasons because of COVID-19 last year. They yeah. played twice in the regular season. Oakley won the first matchup in August. Raft River won the rematch in October. Then Oakley won the championship over Raft River last year. Flash forward to this year, Raft River beats Oakley in the regular season finale or the second to last game. And so, Scott, this is kind of like baseball. It's like a best of five game series, and we're tied at two games apiece, and we got a winner take all game five Thursday night. Yeah, that's how that's how even these two teams are, and how dominant this conference is um, in eight man football. And I, I don't think anybody was surprised that it's going to be Oakley Raft River. I, I don't think anybody. I, you could have placed bets on that first game of the season, you know, barring injuries or something bad happening. These two are on a collision course. And yeah, you're absolutely right. You these two play each other over the course of I don't know how many years, and they play a hundred times. It's probably going to be 50-49 going into that final game. You know, yeah. that is just how these two teams stack up against each other, and it's it's fun to watch. And I think it's great for these communities as well because, you know, they're they're rivals, and they're small town rivals. And, and I don't know how Oakley feels about Raft River and Raft River feels about Oakley, but you can, you can take a guess that uh, it, it's probably not good. <laughs> well, I, I was there at the, the Raft River Oakley game in the regular season that Raft River won 22 to 16 and our, the press box of course is on the Raft River side. They were very fired up. I will say that. <laughs> I was trying to convey that without sounding like, you know, there's bad blood. It's just rivalry blood. And it's, yeah. it's, and it is good. I mean, not only is it a championship game, people are going to be fired up anyway, but when you're playing your rival in the title game, I mean, you take that, that, that hot blood that's going to go and you're going to multiply that by a hundred. It's going to be a great atmosphere, even though it isn't Holt in a bigger stadium, they're not going to feel the, it's not going to be that small town feel, but you can bet that the last one out of each one of those towns is going to lock the city up and they're going to have the keys. Absolutely. Defensively, both teams are outstanding. I don't know that I've seen a better defensive player pound for pound this year than Dace Jones of Oakley. He made six or seven hits that I heard all the way up in the booth at Holt Arena. Like that's how loud his hits were. I mean, he just is like a missile out there defensively. I was very impressed. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that is going to be all over the field and defensively. I mean, he is the guy, the quarterback of the defense, so to speak. I mean, this kid is the epitome of this small town farm boy stock that is just tough. And and that's what makes these guys so good is they just got those kinds of players all over the place. Uh, but this one is a good one. And uh, you're going to see a lot more of those hits and hear a lot more of those hits uh, come this Thursday when uh, he's trying to tee off against his rival Raft River. That's right. So this game will be the first of the six championship games. It might be the best game and it's batting leadoff. Thursday night, 6.30 p.m. inside Holt Arena. So that's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And we will have that for you, of course, 
on idahosports.com. Uh, so, so really, we're bookending it, right? The first game of, of the six is Oakley Raft River. The last game of the six, the only game taking place on Saturday, is at 1 p.m. in the Kibbe Dome up in Moscow as Kerry has to travel to play Kendrick. Boy, Kerry looked as dominant as ever in that semifinal win over Dietrich this past Saturday. Oh, they did. I mean, Kerry, I've covered them a couple times this year and and uh, really kind of followed them a little bit from, from afar. And this is a team that, you know, Lane Kirkland has got playing their best football at the right time. You know, when, when you march through a season undefeated and you're really not getting challenged, one of the hardest things to do is to keep a team motivated because at some point you got to remember they're kids and they're going to step out onto a field after just boat racing everybody thinking that we don't have to work anymore. We've got nothing to play for. We're not hungry anymore because we're going to win anyway. That's what we do. You know, and then you take the pedigree that they've got. It, one of the toughest, toughest jobs as a coach is to keep a talented team motivated because sometimes they just sit and rest on their laurels and they think they're better than everybody else. But the experience that uh, coach Kirkland has with his staff and some of the things that he's told me in, uh, in our conversations this year, uh, I mean, I, I believed him. <laughs> I believed that they weren't playing good football and they were beating everybody 85 to nothing. It's like, dude, what's wrong with you? You know, he was saying all these things. I was like, yeah, you're right. You need to play better. And, and I could see where all that, that, that gamesmanship as a coach was coming from. Uh, and it was experience. And so Kerry is peaking at exactly the right time. Yeah, they always have a guest speaker or, or somebody deliver the pregame speech to the team, right? You've seen it a couple of times this year. I saw it for the first time on Saturday. Uh, it was actually Coach Kirkland's wife who uh, had the pregame talk with the team. Yeah. And it, it was it was kind of it was part motivational and then kind of like part of a like like it was almost like a roast for Coach Kirkland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sure was. Well, you know, that, those are the things that 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 really kind of keep things interesting because. You, you get into a doldrum sometimes during a course of a season because it is a grind and those kind of things keep things interesting. And, you know, he had um, his dad come in and talk, you know, and, and doing those kinds of things. And, and really what that does is it, it, it brings all those kids together because we talk all the time about this small town feel, but the, you bring the community into it. And pretty soon these kids realize that they're playing for more than just, you know, their teammates, they're playing for a community, you know, they're playing for generations past that, that wore a carry Jersey. And they realize that it runs a whole lot deeper than just those band of guys that are on this year's team. And, and I think when you foster and build that kind of spirit, that community, that involvement, things run pretty deep. And, uh, and then you hit your stride at the right time and you've got, and you feel like you've got, your entire community suited up behind you. That's a machine that's hard to stop. And and just their general attitude before the game is they're, they're a team that's kind of loose and relaxed, but at the same time confident and keeping their eye on, on the goal at hand. You know, coming into the matchup, you figured, well, Kerry, you know, you guys lost to Dietrich last year in the championship and in a similar spot you almost lost to Dietrich this year Dietrich honestly should have beaten Kerry if Cody Power doesn't throw an interception at the goal line this time you know 
is winding down. So you would have thought coming in that Dietrich would have been the team that had the confidence and Kerry would be the team that was maybe a little tight, but it was the exact opposite. Kerry was loose and relaxed and Dietrich was the team that came in kind of, you know, on pins and needles a little bit. Yeah, no, and that's exactly right. So, I mean, when you saw this game uh, being played in the semifinals, you're thinking, okay, well, here comes the mental side of things. Just like you said, I mean, it was Dietrich knocking off Kerry and then it was carried squeaking by Dietrich. So, you know, Dietrich should have been two and up against Kerry over the last couple of years, right? Well, Kerry said enough of that. And that that just shows you uh, and exemplifies the point that I just made about where Kerry is right now. You know, I mean, the past is the past. I mean, when you're an athlete, you've got to have the memory of a goldfish and you've got to have the attitude of a liner. And, and I think Kerry embodies both of those right now. I'm writing that down. That was really good. Memory of a goldfish. Heart of a lion. Is that what you said? Attitude of a lion. Attitude of a lion. That's the title. That's the title of the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I always have to come up with a title. So that was, that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So yeah, Carrie and the other interesting subplot here in this game for Carrie is, you know, this is their last game at the one AD two level. They're moving up to the one AD one next mm-hmm. year as if that conference couldn't get any more loaded. Oh my word. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what that's going to look like. I mean, uh, that's be like Raft and Oakley. I mean, my goodness. Why, why do the other teams even play? I mean, right. let's just, let's just get it over with the state tournament right there in that conference right away. I, I, I can't even fathom what that conference is going to be like. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to open up the door for some of those D2 programs as well. So so for Kerry, this is kind of their last chance to to beat somebody in the 1A D2 ranks. I, I certainly like Kerry going into this matchup. Um, Kendrick certainly has an explosive offense just like Kerry does. Really could come down to which team makes a stop, honestly. Yeah, you know what? And that, that Kendrick game surprised me a little bit. I mean, and I think probably because I – just don't know enough about Kendrick, but enough about Castleford. And they really kind of got after Castleford a little bit, you know, and, and we talked about how Kendrick has an explosive offense, how they can score points and, you know, but the speed of Castleford and, you know, how are they, you know, and, and actually Castleford, I believe had a little size advantage on Kendrick and, you know, how are they going to respond? But boy, Kendrick really impressed in that game, you know, they, uh, I mean, eight and two going in, you know, they, they definitely have had a great season, but they're, they're one of those teams from the North that down here, we just don't know a lot about, you know, unless you are totally engrossed into the eight man culture and scene and, and know what's happening, but uh, they, they've got a pretty good quarterback in themselves. Kendrick does that. Kerry's uh, going to have to deal with. Yeah. He's only a sophomore tight cap. Yep. Um, he was the league player of the year last year as a freshman so um yeah castle ford led at halftime 22 to 20 but then yeah. kendrick scored three unanswered touchdowns in that third quarter uh castle ford turned the ball over a couple of times and that's really what swung it um for castle ford what a great season they had kind of like we were talking about with gooding you can't focus yeah. on the final game right you have to look at the the season as a whole and for castle ford a team that you know isn't doing this a lot going deep into the playoffs. This was a great season for them. Oh, you, you bet it is, you know, and, and castle Ford, and I hope they are able to ride this momentum a little bit. I know it stings losing. Nobody likes to lose, but at the same time, you know, the, the positives are going to come out of this season, man, they could be a springboard for something big. Now, obviously, 
you're subject to the kids that come in and, you know, the kids you have in your school, but you can also use this to build a culture. You know, this can't be a one and done for Castleford. You know, Castleford is one of those programs that just isn't a perennial favorite, but every once in a while, you know, they're like that turtle in the eight man game. They just kind of poke their head out of the shell and then back in they go. That can't be the case anymore. You use something like this to, to build something lasting. And I hope Castleford does that because I mean, it's a great community. Um, they've got some, you know, some great players. I mean, we talked about, you know, their quarterback all season long and, and, uh, yeah, Eric Taylor, Eric Taylor. Yeah. Both offensively and defensively, but for Castleford, man, great, great job and a great season. Yeah. We talked about, uh, last year in volleyball, Castleford kind of came out of nowhere to get to the, to the championship match. And, yeah. and it was a nice thing for them. And so with Carrie leaving, in all athletics, it creates this void. Yes. And it's all about who is going to step in and fill that void. It may be a different team for each sport, but for Castle Ford in football, certainly the opportunity is there. Oh, it, the vacuum that, that Kerry is creating right now is unlike anything we've seen. I mean, as far as a team that dominates year in and year out, and all of a sudden the big fish in the little pond is gone. What's going to happen? Well, I think Castleford and Dietrich are going to be the ones that are going to benefit. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we see more of Castleford and Dietrich in, in state semifinals, perhaps state finals. Um, but man, you're not kidding. The void that's created by Kerry leaving, who wants it? Yep. And for at least one more Saturday, the Kerry football team will be competing in the 1AD2 uh, championship Saturday, 1 p.m. against Kendrick at the Kibbe Dome in Moscow. The travel obviously favors Kendrick, right? They're playing at home essentially, but the depth favors Kerry. Kendrick is a small team. You know, they've got 14, 15 players total. Kerry's got double that. That could be a big factor too. It's a huge factor. And we talked about this before where, you know, just the the visual imposing carry football team. You, you're not used to seeing an eight man team trot 55 guys out onto a field. I mean, it's not 55, but you get the idea when you're comparing the two. I mean, these eight man teams have three, four, five guys somewhere on the bench. Carry has got an entire second team that can just go in. You know, whether or not they're any good and they're, you know, four foot three, whatever, it doesn't matter. They got bodies, which means they have interests. They have buy-in. And, you know, you see that. And that is a, a, a physical, visual intimidation factor that Kerry has. And, and you're going to see that uh, on the Kibbe Dome, at the Kibbe Dome this, this uh, tomorrow. No, Saturday. Saturday. I, I got my days all mixed up. Got games mixed up. I don't even, do I, I'm not even sure I have pants on right now. <laughs> well, if you're like Scott and you're a little unsure of what the championship schedule <laughs> looks like, go to our website, idahosports.com, click on the game streams tab, and it will show you the entire slate of games that we will be bringing to you uh, live audio coverage. We're going to have announcers that, that have been there all season long following these teams. We know what we're talking about. We know the players, we know the teams in and out. It's going to be a great broadcast uh, all Weekend long, two games on Thursday, three on Friday, and Carrie and Kendrick playing on Saturday. So we're here, yep. Scott. We've arrived. Yes, we have. And uh, boy, we've got some good matchups. And and if you're a football fan, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, and you haven't been following, and I know what people have been following the podcast, you watch these games now with a, a, a little different eye. You know, and I think that's one of the great things that we've been able to do with these podcasts 
is to allow our fans that watch these games to look at it a little differently now, because sometimes you feel like you know the players. Sometimes you feel like you know the programs, you know the history, instead of just watching two teams, you know, play football. It, you get some backstory, and that always makes things interesting. So, you know, hopefully uh, the people that have tuned into this, and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on, on stuff that we're doing, um, hopefully they can watch these games with a little different eye and, and enjoy them a lot more. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, this weekend. So uh, quick programming note, uh, we're going to take next week off. You know, we, we're getting to the end of this uh, this grind. You know, Scott, you and I have been doing this every week since the beginning of August, basically, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, and it's been nothing short of having our hair on fire on Wednesdays. Uh, <laughs> a quick production meeting, either Sunday night or Monday morning. What are we going to tackle? And then it is, oh, crap, I got to get this put together. And then we throw it all together and I come running in You're when you want to go on. I'm like, now let's go. And then I got chaos with two little girls running around behind me, but we got it done every week and we'll continue to do so. Yep. So we're, so we're going to take next week off for, for the Thanksgiving holiday. It's going to be, it's going to be good for all of us to kind of take a breath, recharge, refocus. We'll come back in two weeks and start talking about winter sports. You know, girls' basketball's already started. Mm -hmm. uh, Bur Burley got a nice win over Century Monday night, I noticed already, right out of the gates. And we'll we'll break it all down, basketball and wrestling, for you uh, when we get back uh, from the Thanksgiving break. So it's going to be Absolutely. awesome. Yep, looking forward to it. It's going to be a great winter season. Uh, regulations, for the most part, gone. It's going to be business as usual in the winter, and that's going to be so much fun. Yeah, plenty to talk about still as we march on. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody, and we'll see you back here in two weeks as we transition to the winter sports. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you in two weeks here on IdahoSports.com.